0: What the truck! You are
1: listening to What
0: the
2: Truck! We've made it to Friday, boys and girls. I'm Tuner. that's the Dude, and this is a show that we call What the
1: Truck. It sure is. A good Friday afternoon from Freight Alley, everybody. You know what, Tuner? Yep. I was thinking last night. Um, I think I'm going to give up the whole badminton gold you know getting gold in the olympics and I'm going to become in I'm going to try and be a, a, a kicker a place kicker in yeah the NFL. you were
2: talking so much smack about Greg Zerline for his performance yeah. last night I uh, so poor awesome. guy had back surgery he wasn't able to uh, Is that what the issue was? No practice you know who looked good last night though huh My boy Tom Brady Tom Brady, you know who Brady looked great Awesome Rob Gronkowski catching footballs <laughs> from a helicopter
1: Yeah yeah You and know else cool. is going to
2: be great though today's episode because we got a ton of great guests that's right we got Coop Technologies co-founder and chief commercial officer it's Cameron Kozhev he's going to be talking about next Generation data-driven autonomous vehicle insurance. You see our sponsor, right? Tons of yeah. trucks, right? How do you, what's the liability? How do you insure them? We don't know, but we're going to yeah. find out today, and so are you. We got Lucky Truck CEO and founder, Devin Bostic. We're going to get even deeper into the world of insure tech and getting that. So big insurance, big risk, liability focus today. Uh, Slink.io founder and chairman, CEO, Chris Kircher. He's going to join us in just a minute here. He's talking about his company's new booking and allocation management solution for Ooh, logistics yeah. service providers. We get Terry Douglas, CEO of Express Courier. He's going to be talking about the business of regional carriers. And we've also got Ron Lent. He is the managing partner at Log Advisors, and he wants you to know what your logistics company is worth. Good to know. A lot of mergers and acquisitions going on. Echo just got picked up, too. Saw that one by the Jordan Company. Uh, Plus, CMA CGM, they have capped rates. Hatbag Lloyd has followed suit. Deja Sue, as another shit gets stuck (laughs) in the Suez Canal. Uh, Biden mandates a vaccine or testing for companies with 100 employees or more. A lot going on. Let's tip the bend. We'll get to it. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact, tell them, dude.
1: Hey, go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions. Immediately after the show,
2: yeah, let's get some relatively breaking news from Chris Kirshner. He's the founder, chairman, CEO of Slinkio, and a couple of days ago they made a big announcement about what he's calling logistics orchestration. Sounds fascinating, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. What up? what's logistics orchestration? What does that sound like?
3: Uh, it's a great marketing speak for for decent <laughs> software, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> no,
3: by the way, if you if you decide to start kicking, let me know. Uh, I was at the game last night and a little unfortunate to watch the Cowboys uh, squander what should have been a great victory. Um, yeah. So, so logistics orchestration for us, uh, God, I think I first came on the show back in your early days, which was our early days when there were probably still only five people at our company. Um, so logistics orchestration for us has always been our platform has been this platform that, that we've configured solutions for our customers on. Um, and then when you get into to booking and allocation, what really happened is just organically, we had the same solution configured over and over and over and over again and we were like oh what the hell let's you know put this out there as a as a box product and, and make it a little easier a little more plug and play for our customers and and forwarders and shippers around the world and uh, so this was just kind of a natural evol- evolution and, and the next step for us.
1: Yeah. So, Chris, we've talked about this on the, on the show before. It's kind of like that finely tuned orchestra for international shipping. Sure. and everything, Right, All these moving pieces. You got oboes over here. You got violins, cellos, what have you all over the place. You got people banging cowbells randomly all over the place. What is Slink doing? How do you bring all that stuff together?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's think back to a couple of years ago, you know, pre-COVID. Even when rates weren't ridiculous, when there were containers available, when there were chassis available for those containers, once they hit port on the other end, you know, when we didn't have all the issues that we're currently finding today, there's just enough moving parts. There's so many people, so many different functions that have to come together very, very nicely, kind of like an orchestra, uh, to, to make things work properly, uh, moving something, say, from point of manufacture in Asia to the store that you and I purchased it at here here in the United States, um, now with, with all those other things going on in the, in the marketplace, uh, it becomes even more essential that the, let's call them the foundational processes like allocation management, they need to work more autonomously because humans need to solve much more difficult challenges. Like where, where the heck are we going to find a container to put all these finished goods in that have been sitting for two quarters? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're after. And, you know, I always say we, we specialize in the unsexy, unknown um, processes to those of us who maybe started outside of logistics and didn't understand some of these processes. Um, but, you know, these things are critical to to making whatever it is you and I want when we walk into Walmart, uh, be there on the shelf.
2: Yeah, so we had like PortX, Brian Kevestis from Portex Logistics was on um, recently on the show when he was talking about how you know that the, the narrative of the container shortage came up, and he's like, "Look, we're in drayage. There's containers all over the place. We got lots yeah. full of containers. There's an allocation problem. How does this help with yeah. solving allocations and and the broken process of booking ocean freight?"
3: Yeah, so so there's a couple kind of fundamental issues in allocation. One is there's actually a lack of a really good TMS for ocean freight in the marketplace. Um, Maybe we'll circle back to that in a year. Uh, but but first, you know, you have this problem where you have to have multiple bookings, ghost bookings, just in order to to ensure that there might be space available on a boat for you. Uh, and in today's capacity constrained world, uh, that's even, even more of a challenge. Um, but not only with that and, and not having the systems to support it, this is a process that's traditionally run on Microsoft Excel. And so you're relying on people oftentimes all over the world Updating individual cells on on where what the current status of a booking is, or or what the, you know where it's coming from, when it needs to be in DC, whatever those pieces of information of which there's a ton of them, um, you know you're relying on on an Excel spreadsheet and an email, uh, that that's not a great way to do business, especially in something that's as fast paced and and. You know, is continuously changing like it is today on a day by day or hour by hour basis, even.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Chris, you you said there's never been a time like this in global logistics. Aside from the obvious, uh, uh, we talk about all the time. What are the other issues that we should be talking about more that are broken in the in the industry?
3: Well, I, I think the first one was what you mentioned in the rate caps. Uh, it's crazy to hear that the steamship lines, who you know just a few years ago were hemorrhaging cash, have now decided that they're making too much. Um Who would have ever thought that would have happened, you know, say in twenty eighteen <laughs>
2: yeah. um, or they <laughs> sold all their spot already up until February first, Chris, so maybe yeah, there's yeah, not that many allocations left anyway
3: i don't I don't think that's far from the truth, you know but you know there are so many things that you know from the the pandemic of which you know we've never had before <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
3: um that you know, you couldn't have guessed or predicted some of these outcomes and, and where things are today. And so, you know, that's why I say there, there's no there's never been a time like this because there truly hasn't. Uh, but but the bigger thing is now it's starting to put pressure on some of these processes that were just kind of left alone for a long time. You know, for for a while now, forwarders, global shippers, whomever it may be, anybody moving anything around the world has talked about, OK, we need better software. Uh, but there haven't been a ton of companies founded until the last, call it thirty-six months, really attacking some of these issues. You know, I remember the first time I came on to talk to you guys at, at Atlanta uh, back, you know, the beginning of the Freightways podcast. Kind of, this wasn't all that sexy of a space. You know, I, I remember walking into investor meetings and having to explain what freight forwarding was, um, and and now all of a sudden, because of this environment, and because now every single day you turn on Squawk Box and they're talking about, uh, you know, they're talking about supply chain issues and, and pressure, whether it's chips, whether it's not having containers in Asia, whether it's not having space on boats. You know, the the focus now in in this previously kind of forgotten about function. Uh, I know that's a hasty over generalization, but it's it's incredible, and and it opens up opportunities for. You know, massive, massive innovation, uh, new technologies, new ways of doing things, new ways of thinking about things, and and that's you know kind of where we come in and you know trying to fix and, and bring what's there in terms of this scattered array of systems in terms of data across emails and spreadsheets and and make sense of it and kind of you know be the conductor. Uh, not to get too punny, sure. but um, you know it, it's it's a fascinating time. It's a lot of fun, and and I think. You know, what we'll, we'll be talking about five years from now um, will be some, some much more efficient, streamlined, uh, digitized processes.
2: Chris, we are, uh, speaking of time, we're just about out of time. But before I let you go, I would be uh, remiss to ask you, was that offensive pass interference at the end of that Buccaneers game?
3: I don't know about that. I just know that our kicker left four points on the table, and that, that was a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, uh. So, yeah, but uh, it was a great game. Frankly, I, I went in and and I, I'll be I'll be completely candid here. Uh, you know, even being in Dallas and, and being an adopted Cowboys fan, uh, I, I bet on the Buccaneers three months ago because uh, at, at minus six and a half, I was like, there's no way in hell the Cowboys are within a touchdown. So so uh, the way the game turned out, I'm actually really optimistic about our season and, and excited to see what happens.
2: Well, hey, Chris, have a great weekend. Good luck to uh, the Cowboys season. They're going to need it. And (laughs) go check out Slink. Go check out I O for uh, the Boston Pops and the John Williams of of logistics orchestration. Thank you, you sir. There you
1: go, man. Maestro, the All Maestro. Right.
2: You know what? So this topic comes up. We've been talking about autonomous vehicles, and everyone is like, "What? How does the yeah. liability work in this space? How did? What happens? What happens if the truck hits somebody? Is it a carrier? Yeah. Is it the driver? Is it the computer software? I have no freaking idea. That's why I had to reach out to Cameron kojev He's the co-founder and chief commercial officer at Coop Technologies, and they're trying to solve this very problem. This is the same problem of uh, autonomous vehicle insurance. Hey, uh, Cameron, thanks for joining the show.
4: Hey, thank you very much for inviting. You know, I'll. I'll tell you that I love trucking industry, and mm-hmm. uh, I watched this show a couple of times, and this is my first podcast on this show, so this is very exciting.
2: Nice, well, Excellent. you know we, we like to uh, we're we're the many people's firsts on this show on podcast, <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> yeah, that's of true. course.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: So you know what this is this is a like this is a wild space, it's a new frontier, a lot of questions, a lot of answers. Let's yeah. get into it. What what so first of all, tell us about yourself and what Coop Technologies is.
4: Right, uh, I'll give you a little background. So uh, we started about a year ago, but partners known each other for almost 10 years. Uh, our CTO comes from an uh, autonomous vehicle background, so he worked at Uber ATG on self-driving cars. Hey, is that Pittsburgh, and, uh, by the way? Are you guys in are yeah, you guys in I mean, yeah, that, the Bridge? Yeah, we're based in Pittsburgh, by the way. Yep. Nice. Do so you think the Steelers could beat Ridge. the Cowboys this year? Hopefully, yeah, (laughs) but I don't know. All right, carry on, carry (laughs) Uh, on. (laughs) Yeah, uh, 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 so uh, Sergei, uh, my co-founder and uh, CEO, he he worked on Wall Street on quantitative models and also dealt with some insurance companies. And I actually sold uh, telematics and safety solutions into trucking space and insurance space. So that's how I got immersed into the uh, world of transportation. And all of us find the, the, this industry exciting. The automation is, is, is there. Uh, it's, it's, it's growing, and we're super excited about the space. Uh, and towards your question about, uh, about what we do, uh, I'll take a step back and say that uh, with the adoption of autonomous technologies, there is a big shift happening. And that shift is from human to AI and machine learning risks in the real-world operating environments. And most consumers probably know AI from the app where you can take a picture of your credit card and it captures the data and stuff like that. But here we have a four-ton semi-trailer moving on a highway. So insurance is definitely needs a different approach and a new new approach.
1: Yeah, so tell me how autonomous trucking insurance works, right? When I get insurance in my family, right. I have a 20-year-old son. I have a 23-year-old daughter. My wife and I, the insurance is different. How does it work for, for autonomous vehicles?
4: Right. So today we, we have a lot of traditional solutions, and insurance companies are done a great job with uh you know actually understanding uh, human specific risks as i said there's a shift from human to machine-centric risks uh they've collected decades of data they've adopted technologies like telematics uh, to incentivize safer driving in the trucking space Uh, but specifically to address machine-centric risks it's becoming a technology challenge rather than pure insurance challenge Uh, so you need more tools you need to access the data uh, you need to uh, uh, build new underwriting models, so it's it's completely new. And for us, we're not saying that that we completely solve this, but we're taking the first critical step towards that. Uh, we're built the tools and we're enabling insurance carriers to actually access autonomy data, and we we work with autonomy developers uh, within that data sharing uh, process.
2: So, what do they say to you about that that liability and those concerns? So, like we said, the questions that we always get from people is, yeah. who's responsible? Mm-hmm. Is is it the truck manufacturer? Is it software manufacturer? Is it the carrier? Is it right. the, is it the safety operator? Uh, is it the shipper? I mean, how does that yeah. how is that hashed out? Or maybe it hasn't been yes.
4: yet. Yeah. So what we've seen in the industry is uh, a heavier weight towards product liability and technology errors and emissions. So with that shift in the risk towards, uh, towards AI and, and machine learning risks, uh, we're seeing the shift in the insurance products as well in terms of uh, the weight uh, the insurance carriers put in. So we're, see- we're seeing higher demand for product liability, higher limits for those products, and, and and a big push for technology errors and commission and increasing the limits and, and putting the excess as well. So there's definitely a, a shift towards technology-focused uh, risks rather than human-focused risks well, uh, like me, we have today.
2: Let me ask yeah. you a follow-up here, because it sounds like initially an <sighs> autonomous policy may be more actually more expensive because the risks have to be established. And that's how underwriters work. They want to know their risk. But – would it be safe to assume that if autonomous vehicles really can function on the roads and really do eliminate accidents as they do, it may actually become prohibitive to have a human driver because the insurance would be that much cheaper for autonomous. Is is that Would that happen or no? Uh,
4: well, well, I'll tell you uh, that autonomy promises a lot of uh, uh, safety benefits, and this is very exciting. Uh, uh, however, the utilization grows of the vehicle. So with a human driver, you have HOS rules and et cetera. But with autonomy, you have uh, it's utilized a lot more, uh, and with that high utilization, the risk exposure grows as well, right? Uh, so, to your question of having, a, we will have people in the in the vehicles for some time, but again, the, there's going to be a shift in the in the insurance product. So you'll have a traditional auto liability. That may will see that may see cost reduction, but with the higher utilization and higher risk exposure towards that, uh, a little bit higher costs initially, but then it's going to uh, smooth out a little bit.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hope, There's so hope, many hope, questions it as it moves nice. forward. There's so many questions as it moves sure. forward. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, you choose high a higher insurance policy yeah. lesser technology. Doesn't that put you in a court of law saying, well, I chose to be less safe Yeah. type of thing, right? That comes out. But my question right, right now, Cameron, is, is, so how are you making money right now? If the, the insurance isn't going through there right now, how are you, what are you guys doing right now? How are you, how are you funding this?
4: Well, we are licensed in 13 states uh, as an insurance broker. This is our step to engage okay. with both part, insurance companies and fleets, uh, as well as autonomy developers uh, in a data sharing uh, capacity. Uh, and uh, that's how uh, we generate commissions from insurance transactions. And we also actually recently got funded. Uh, I probably saw the announcements oh. as well by Hold some of a the second. great investors.
3: A little cowbell for you. Congratulations. Need a little cowbell for that. Thank you. Carry on. (laughs)
4: Oh, awesome. So uh, great West Coast-based investors. Uh, We just got funded and we're excited to grow. So uh, we're taking, uh, we're learning how to walk before we run. uh, And uh, we're excited to build these relationships with uh, trucking fleets, as well as those fleets who are looking to adopt autonomous technologies.
2: Now let's talk about the, the let's talk about the big boys, the ones that already can mm. run. What is there any fear or what what kind of protection do you have that you don't do all this work and establish this market and then the big boys just come in and say, "Hey, great. He went through all the trouble with the regulation <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Now we'll offer, you know, our own autonomous insurance yeah. policies."
4: Well, the thing is to be able to do that, you need to really build up your underwriting engine on top of the autonomy data. Uh, as I said, we're solving the data sharing issue problem and uh, we're building a uh, uh, you know, our proprietary framework around autonomy data to be able to understand technology related risks. And the best way to do that for the big guys is to partner with us. So eventually we'd like to ship our own products and, and partner up with large insurance companies, not just one, but actually several. And that way, bigger insurance companies can enter uh, the space uh, as well.
2: Wow. Well, hey, so how do people learn more about Coop Technologies and get some information on your platform?
4: Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn, uh, go on our website, uh, and we have, a, we have Twitter as well, so we're present in social media. And uh, if someone wants to speak, they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. I'm, I respond pretty fast.
2: Well, thank you for letting us inside the world of uh, yeah. autonomous insurance, exciting space, growing space, and uh, yeah. we'll definitely want to know more. And I know a lot of, um, a lot of our human drivers are interested in, in those developments there as well. Right. Once again, have a great weekend. Take care.
4: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
2: All right, so yeah. you know what? So someone on our general slack, right? Yesterday okay. they were there. Richie Daigle, he posted. He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, FedEx delivered my packages yesterday, and they arrived in a U-Haul. That's right. right. And I've yeah. seen this, too. I've seen the budget rented trucks. I've seen the I've seen, I've the seen it in my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah I, final mile, there is, there's 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 so much congestion. There's lack of equipment and all of those sure. kind of things. And we talked to Mayflower moving. They're, they move stuff, there, but they're moving into... Final miles well. Well, Express Courier, another company here, they're in that regional courier space, but they're pretty big. They have 26 branches, 750 drivers, and joining us today is Terry Douglas, their CEO, and he's going to tell us a little bit about the growth in that market and what's happening. Terry, uh, thanks for giving us the honor of joining us for 10 minutes on the show. Terry? Hi, Terry. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess Terry, Terry will be up soon. It says uh, Terry Ready on the screen in front of us, um, so gotcha. we will get to him when he gets up there. Regional carrier, though, really, really interesting space. Um, it is.
1: It's a very interesting space, and it's growing more and more in in the sense that, right, you do, the shipments or the origination of the packages that are going into e-commerce are coming closer and closer to the end consumer, right? And so those regional carriers are coming more and more into play, I would imagine, right, as you don't go long haul across the country to make those deliveries happen. You've got to go into that regional space, right? Some of my questions, though, are how, how you know, does this become a a, a situation where, you know, you've got to go into these brokers and intermediaries to kind of, uh, to kind of get you into that, that realm there and kind of orchestrate all these different things together. Because as a small person, how do you do it?
2: Well, we got Terry here and he's going to oh, give us some do. clarity right. on these, these regional markets. And as we said, they got 26 branches, 750. This is no small uh, company. You call them regional, which to some people may seem small, but they're pretty big in the region, aren't you, Terry?
0: Yeah, we're in, uh, yeah, we're in multiple states. We go from uh, really kind of East Texas. Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, and even the panhandle of uh, of Florida. So we, we cover a lot of terrain.
1: Yeah, excellent stuff. So let's talk about this a, a little bit there. You, you've got your coverage there. You got 750 drivers. What is a regional carrier as opposed to other carriers? Just give us that definition.
0: So when you think of a regional carrier, like I think you should probably define us a little bit too. We're, we're uh, you know, we're, I look at us as a a custom logistics company. So we do multiple things. We're not just a final mile delivery company. But when you think of regional carriers in today's market, really you're, you're talking about guys that aren't, you know, UPS and FedEx. So we can provide the same level of uh, service uh, or, or better in, that, in some cases, um, but we don't have the same footprint. Um, so, you know, we can do the reason I like to think of us as a custom logistics company is we're kind of motivated to understand where your problem spots are, and then we try to come up with innovative solutions to, to solve that for you and make and make their lives easier and add value.
2: Speaking of making lives easier, what are some of the challenges that would make your life easier? What are some of the challenges a carrier such as yourself is facing in this challenging market right now? We talk a lot about the OTR, the LTL, the drage space. We've talked about the ocean carriers in the air, but how about for you guys?
0: Well, I mean, I think you're seeing the same issues. Um, so, you know, the, the biggest problem today is obviously the labor market and that that affects, you know, us as well as our customer. And a lot of my cases, um, that LTL, uh, full truckload business, my customer provides that to to me. So in some cases I'm both a supplier and a customer to my customer. Um, and, The market is pretty challenged right now with just, you know, warehouse employees and drivers and, you know, there's a a lot more openings out there than people are willing to fill them at this point. So I think labor is the number one challenge, and I think you're going to see that as the number one challenge in pretty much the transportation industry as a whole.
1: So Terry, yeah, I, I agree with you. Labor's always been a challenge getting those drivers and even warehouse workers as we've yeah. seen lately. So yeah. speaking of that, uh, you know, there was some recent news over the last 24 hours. That's going to make it even more challenging. Uh, how do you think this, this new mandate Biden's mandate on, on vaccination for, uh, employers over a hundred or yeah, hundred and above? Testing, or, 100. Yeah. Or testing. How do you think that's going to impact the industry in specific? You got 750
0: drivers. Um, so first of all, I mean, that was just general guidance, so we're, we're still going to have to wait to see what the Department of Labor and OSHA actually puts out for specific guidance. Mm. So right now, we don't know whether that in, impacts independent contractors, which is our model, or just employees. Mm. Uh, from an employee standpoint, um, you know, look, I mean, the reality is, is we're going to have to comply. Um, the government's going to motivate us to comply, if you know what I understand what I mean, and so you know, we'll, we'll communicate to our employees and uh, we'll determine, you know, what testing has to be accomplished and, you know, we'll move forward. Now, do I anticipate there'll be some people that don't want to participate and will cause some challenges for us? Probably, but I'm not going to, I don't think it's in our um, best interest to figure out how to get out of this because we're not going to. We need to execute mm-hmm. it and we need to communicate to our employees what's going on and you know, convince them that they want to still be part of this.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll still have to see what they do with exemptions, too. I know that it yeah. came out almost immediately afterwards that the USPS was exempt. So maybe carriers and integrators will um, be shielded from that as well. Yeah. But speaking of, one of one thing that, I, that you kind of mentioned that I want to get a little bit back into is getting retailers to, to trust, right, to trust a carrier like yours. You know, they're familiar with the FedEx, they're familiar with the UPS. How do you get them into the express courier system?
0: Um, well, in a lot of cases you know, they're unhappy, right? So I'm not saying we're the last resort for them in some cases, but I mean, they're motivated based on previous peak experience that they know they have to have an alternative solution or a a relief valve for uh, the capacity that, you know, isn't getting hauled for them. And, you know, to me, you know, what we have to be able to do is demonstrate our expertise. and, And most of that comes through, or the bigger challenges of some of this is your, your ability to integrate with these retailers and provide them real-time information, which is what they're really looking for. So, um, you know, you, first of you all, you got to obviously give them a price and a service requirement that, you know, they feel comfortable with. And then, you know, typically these guys want to go through a pretty extended test process where you actually prove that you can do it. Um, and then, you know, execute the test flawlessly and build confidence as you go. Um, mm-hmm. That's so kind of t- the kind of the way you do it. I mean, there, there's all I don't care what you do or what you say. People aren't just going to take you at your word, especially if they're used to, you know, working with guys that have a lot of initials in their company name. Uh, but but let's you know, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, they got service issues. That is causing them to want to go to regional carriers. And it's, you know, right now it's a pretty rich environment for regional carriers. If they can demonstrate that they have the ability, um, technical and capacity that you can pick up business.
1: Yeah, so Terry, speaking of that, if I'm if I'm a national shipper or national retailer, how do you convince me that I need to go to this model and using these or what are the pain points that I have that you're gonna solve by being a, a regional carrier? You you service up to like eight states, you got all these twenty-six facilities, et cetera. But I service I, I gotta reach the entire nation. Why do I why do I not go with a national provider and go with you?
0: Um, well I think one of the challenges one of the things that we offer as a regional carrier is that you know, and, and we're talking all different size retailers. So, in a lot of cases, you're just a big fish in a big pot. Uh, for a regional, you're a much more important customer, I would say, in in, in our grand scheme of things. I think you're going to get more. Um, you know, if you if you got an issue, you can call the CEO of Express Courier. He's going to pick up your call and he's going to try to resolve your issues. Um, I'm not saying you know, you can't get that uh, with somebody else, but you better be a pretty big guy uh, if you're going to get the CEO for the company, personally managing your problems or our issues and getting those resolved. So I think there's a kind of a personal touch feel to us. Um, And then I think, you know, first, you know, they would not, people would not be migrating to regional um, contractors or regional shippers if there was not a need for it. I mean, Let's face it; it's a challenge and a lot of extra work to move your supply chain from one provider to another, even if it's just a little bit. The integration alone, yeah. you know, obviously causes a lot of challenge. So, you know, people are disappointed in the and what they're getting, uh, and think they can do better. And it's us to ups; it's up to us to be able to prove that you we can do better.
2: Yeah, and, you know, one of the narratives that we have been talking about a lot on here was was the ocean shipping, getting that inventory in stock for the holidays. Yeah. But come the holiday season, all this stuff has to get delivered to people. All that final mile yeah. has yeah. to be fulfilled. There's going to be a ton of – I mean, if they're renting U-Hauls and budget rent-a-cars right now to – move packages yeah. uh, i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for express courier to step in and make sure you get your you know your christmas presents yeah. under the tree in time people who want who need your help and they want your help this holiday season i know there's a lot of shippers and retailers with anxiety right now how do they reach out to you and get in touch
0: uh, well we have we have obviously a website um, um but you know we're easy to reach uh you can you can um access us through the website you can access us you know, by you know, just calling us because there's plenty of contact information, we'll take your calls. Sure. Um, but I think the challenge for regional shippers right now and, and the retailers, uh, kind of go back to your, your point earlier, is, you know, the integration process to do this. You know, it, it's almost too late right now mm. to go through the setup process to, to execute uh, this peak. And, you know, we're, look, we're looking, no, last peak was huge, but we're expecting this peak to be even bigger than last peak. So it's not too late, um, but, you know, and we've been working with, you know, plenty of retailers right now and, and customers for several months to get in position to transition um, that demand to us. But, uh, you know, the time is running out. There's not that many sh- uh, shopping days left before peak season hits. Mm. Sure is. And, Terry,
2: like, like he said, get out there. A little sense of urgency. Thank you one more time for joining us. Have a great weekend. Our next guest coming on now, Ron Lentz. He's managing partner at LogiSyn Advisors. He's also an Augustina alum. And I was looking at the time he was there. And, you know, he may have been a classmate of the famous Vietnam U.S. Army Captain William Albright. Oh, no kidding. As well as... Get this, Brenda Barnes, who's the former CEO of both Sarah Lee and PepsiCo. Ooh. And you know what? I even learned that he's granted more than 70 make-a-wishes. So wow, it's an honor condo. to be joined that's... by this gentleman.
1: Nice. Well done. Well done. Oh. Usually we get the
2: we're not worthy. We're giving you the we're not worthy Absolutely. here.
5: <laughs>
1: 70 hey, wishes as, is
5: something. As long man. as I, can, as long as I can get Duke to play me some air guitar or something, you know?
2: Oh, he'll play you a little love song on there. He writes ones for his wife, man. Oh, yeah. I write love songs uh, hey, so all the time. 70 Make-A-Wishes, though. Like, we'd love to give a little color to our guests here. Just t- tell me how you got so involved with Make-A-Wish and, and have done 70 of these.
5: Uh, so years and years and years ago, back uh, before they uh, uh, had all the miracle drugs and everything for uh, uh, people couldn't have babies to have babies, uh, we were a test case for all that. Couldn't do it. So we needed to uh, uh, spread some love and uh what better way to spread some love to get involved with, uh, with children with, uh, life-threatening, uh, uh, illnesses. And at the time it was children with terminal illnesses and both my wife and me, when we were kids, I was seven, she was 10, didn't know each other at the time. We both had life-threatening illnesses. So, uh, it just seemed appropriate to do it. Wow. Not only do, are we, Big wish granters for them, but uh, don't tell any kids out there, but uh, we're actually uh, the Make-A-Wish Santa and Mrs. Claus for Make-A-Wish Foundation, too. So I love to do it.
1: That's awesome.
2: Cowbell. You you definitely
1: deserve some air guitar for you
2: there. Air air guitar and (laughs) cowbell, and tell your wife that we said that you are, in fact, great. It took 40 years, but someone did it.
1: (laughs) No, we love it. Ah, I love it. it, Let's...
2: Let's get into it. So we talked about your worth. We know your worth, and it's worth a lot. I mean, you've, you've done some great stuff, but how do companies know their worth? That's a topic you sent us and wanted to get into, yeah. so let's dive into it.
5: So, you know, it's it's an interesting time that we're in because, uh, uh, you know, you went through uh, 2018, which is a banner year, in mergers and acquisitions. You went through uh, 2019, where it was a slowdown in 2020. Who knows what what the hell it was, to be honest with you, uh, with COVID. It was a slow year for uh, mergers and acquisitions. And then all of a sudden, 2021 comes on you know the scene, and it's an explosion. Uh, it's an explosion because there's so much money available, both by strategics and by private equity and by venture capital invested into tech companies. Uh, with all that money and supply and demand usually drives the uh, value up. So, when you look at supply and demand today, there's way more demand than there is supply. There's uh, in, in private equity today, we estimate that there's somewhere over uh, $1.5 trillion of what we call dry powder. That's money that has to be invested in the marketplace. And a percentage, somewhere between 10 to 12% of that money, is going to be invested into the transportation and logistics space. When you look at um, deals that have been done, uh, just on the big side, you know, in the last uh, month you had uh, Greenbrier Equity that uh, which a year ago in October had the biggest deal of the year last year where they invested 500 million dollars into Uber Freight Well, they just bought a couple of weeks ago, they just bought Transplace which they owned previously and sold to another private equity firm and they just bought it back for 2.25 billion which is a 22 times uh, multiple uh, Jordan Group today announced that uh, they're paying a forty-eight percent premium yeah. for uh, uh, Echo Global Logistics. Right. Uh, so there's a tremendous amount of capital out there. Um, and, and the question comes, how does and, and I only deal with my firm. We only deal with uh, what I call SMEs, small, middle market uh, enterprises. So we don't deal with these large firms, uh, except to do add-ons with them. And uh, uh, how do they take advantage of it? And, and uh, you know, that's that's the big question. What do they have to do? And and it it all goes uh, in not waking up in the morning as a business owner and say I've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years and saying. You know what? I don't want to do it anymore. You have to prepare for an exit. Uh, have a good exit strategy on what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And that's both on a personal level and on a professional level. Um, on a personal level, you have to work with your tax advisors and that to, to make sure that you're structured properly. You know, if you're a warehouse owner, most firms today don't want to own warehouse. They like lease Warehouses, yeah. but if you're an owner of those warehouses, you know you want to make sure that those own, those warehouses are set up into some type of a different structure. Maybe even put them into your grandkids' uh, trust fund, and leasing them back to your firm because the next buyer of your company would rather lease them, and then you get double income because you're going to get the income that you're going to get from uh, the warehouse space and then you're going to get income for either yourself or your family or a trust or whatever you structure it you know that's going to go into a long-term uh, security plan uh, and your legacy so so there's different things that you can do from multiple fronts so that's that's a good thing to do how do you also take advantage of today's current market conditions you know you see strategics out there today you guys reported uh, a while back in July, uh, you talked about the uh, AAA Cooper, you know, that was acquired by uh, Knight-Swift mm-hmm. for $1.35 billion. So assets are being bought by the bigger getting bigger. Uh, you talk about DSV over the last couple of years has bought Agility. Um, and then they, and previous to that, they bought uh, Panopina. And then uh, the big getting bigger in the tech world, uh, Deutsche Post bought Synchron uh, earlier this year. So there's a ton of money going into the marketplace at all different sectors. I get asked all the time, you know, what's the hottest marketplace? The hottest marketplace are the ones that are focused on supply chain today. So whether it is um, on... The, the front end of the supply chain and you're doing freight forwarding, ocean or air. Uh, those are both hot commodities today. Custom brokerage, hot commodity today. You guys have commented on digital freight brokerage a lot. That's a hot commodity today, especially being non-asset based, especially if they have some, uh, tech, technology in it, you know, but, but you have to be focused. You can't be all things to all people. If you are, uh, people are going to see through that. Uh, they they like niche focused businesses. Uh, you know, Transplace um, uh, fits in that bill. Triple Cooper fits in that bill. Um, when you see the amount of money that venture capital is throwing into the tech industry, which is twice the amount this year that has ever been put into that marketplace, I think I read over the history of tech logistics. So that's just this year. So. You know, focused industries, focused businesses are a really good place to um to, to spend your time. So if you're a you're an owner of a business, make sure you're focused. Make sure you have a exit plan and an exit strategy.
1: So Ron, is the exit strategy all about the multiple or are there other things to consider?
5: Multiple's important. Multiple's critical. You know, we uh uh the, the financial industry, and I was an operator for 30 years, uh, you know, saw all kinds of different things, gross profit, gross margin, uh, operating profit, uh, total net income. You had so many different, um, you know, a demand factor that people were looking at and they were never consistent across industries. Well, through GAAP and through, you know, the larger accounting firms, we've settled in on a, you know, a universal language and it's called EBITDA. Uh, and if you're a non-asset-based business, EBITDA is real important. It is the most important item um, when you're looking at multiple uh, because you're, you're taking the EBITDA and you're multiplying it times a multiple, and that's your enterprise value. So if you have a $10 million EBITDA and you get a 10 times multiple, your company's enterprise value is $100 million. Now, that's done on a what they call a debt-free and a cash-free basis. So if you got $10 million in debt, your company that you're in a pocket is $90 million. So that's, that's how that works. But if you're an asset-based company or an asset-based carrier or an asset warehouse company, um, then you want to look at free cash flow, and that's EBIT. So you really want to understand how much cash is that business generating because that that is you want a multiple of EBIT. And then the third element that has really taken effect, especially the last year, uh I, I would say that the activity picked up in the second half of the year last year and has continued just to go crazy, and that is um, you have to have a structured deal because everybody was affected by COVID some negative, a lot, extremely positive. If you're an air freight forwarder, Mm -hmm. if you're an ocean freight forwarder, if you're a trucking company, if you're a final mile delivery company, you've been affected extremely positive. And you might have two, three, four times the earnings that you had pre-COVID, but you want to get compensated on that. So if you were at a $3 million EBITDA and now you're at a $10 million EBITDA, nobody's going to pay you a $10 million, 10 times multiple on $10 million. They're just not going to do that. But what they're going to do is they're, you know, if you put the deal together in what I call the right structure, and structure is real important today, then you're going to pick up, you know, a portion of your cash is going to be relative to what you've done over the past couple of years. And then the rest of your cash is going to come in the form of, call it a per- Performance earnout. I hate the term earnout because it's tough to do, especially if you're doing with um, being bought up by a strategic. But you can you can structure that even inside their company properly. And if you structure it properly, you as a business owner can get all that money into your pocket. It may take a little bit longer. It might take a year or two years to get that money. You may not get it all in cash upfront, but you're going to get that money if it's structured properly.
2: Wow, Ron, this has been quite the the education. Uh, you have filled my mind with some knowledge on on EBITDA yeah, and acquisitions here, and it's a lot to chew on going into this weekend. We really, uh, and, I, and I think we'll both be doing that, right? Ohio oh, State yeah. over there. Uh, but I got a question before we let you go. I can't help but notice all that vinyl on the wall. So, what's the best deep cut you got hanging up there? Uh,
5: so I have some original Beatles cuts. So that that uh, um, that album cover happens to be the last concert that the Beatles made together, and it's signed by Ringo Starr. Uh, that was, a that was going back to your Make-A-Wish, that was a Make-A-Wish charity auction that I, uh, paid too much money for, but it's my pride and joy. But I have some, uh, original Beatles, uh, this will scare you back to 1962. Uh, wow. so, uh, that, that I'm a huge, huge Beatles fan, not as much as a couple of my friends I've found out, but I do, do love, uh, the old vinyl.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I could fit in on Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club at least oh, yeah, on absolutely. the cover
5: of the album, right?
1: You Maybe even
5: be the saxophone player. There you go.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this thing
5: right here.
2: Hey, Rod. All right, so tell us where do people go and find more information and uh, connect with you?
5: Uh, we're, we're easy. It's Logisyn, which stands for Logistic Synergy. So, l o g i s y n dot com. Um, I'm on, uh, and my partners and, uh, uh, our whole team is on LinkedIn. You can find us on LinkedIn, uh, but you can go to our website and find us. Uh, but, uh, you know, we are exclusive to MA in the transportation, logistics, and supply chain industry. And that's all we do. We don't focus on any other industries. Love
2: it. Love it. Hey, Very it's not cool. all you do. You're also doing the Lord's work with that. Make a wish. and, this, and some of that other stuff. Amen, so, uh, well, One last time, little cowbell as we send you off the air. Thanks, Ron. Have a great weekend.
5: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Well, great talk with 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 Ron right there. Now we're going to grab our next guest. It's Devin Bostick. We're going to get a little deeper into insurance and insurer tech. He's the CEO and founder of Lucky Truck. Devin, thanks for taking some time with us today. today. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? I don't know. What's going on with you? What are you doing? What are you doing over there today? You watched the Buccaneers game last night? I actually missed it. I'm going to
6: the Cubs game later, so let's let's see what happens with that. There Beautiful. you go. Ridley. Go cubbies. Yeah,
2: it's a can, you a little, can you give us your rendition of the uh, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game"? Probably not, actually. But okay. uh, let's, yeah. All right then. Well, <laughs> hey, to, define and <laughs> we'll stay in your wheelhouse then. How about you define in insure, insuretech for us? Sounds
6: good. Uh, tech. A lot. A lot of it is just taking. I. Uh, you're basically creating a digital layer over existing processes, and I. Uh, focusing on the customer experience in a way that also helps the insurance carrier out. So as simple as that,
1: that sounds pretty simple to me. T- talk to me about lucky truck. What is lucky truck? Tell us what what's going on there.
6: Lucky trucks, the easiest way for uh, small fleets to manage purchase and understand their insurance. The The challenge for a lot of these companies is they go through a lot of changes throughout the year and mm-hmm. they don't have an easy way to stay organized on it. So in our case, we're basically saying if you have a platform that can capture data from the customer and can capture a lot more data a lot faster for the customer you can then push it to insurance carriers through api and create a much slicker insurance experience that keeps them organized but it also gives the carriers deeper insight into the company so that they provide that level of product flexibility Uh, it's basically a customer experience play that helps small trucking companies stay on top of their insurance
2: so Excellent. you're sitting around watching Cubs games. When did the, like, did the idea come to you during, you know, an inning or something? Or like, when did you get the idea? You're the founder. When What's your why? And when did you get the idea to found Lucky Truck?
6: So I actually didn't have a trucking background going in. I was an early employee at another insurtech startup called CoverWallet that was focused on making small business insurance easier to, to basically purchase and manage. And I basically saw how they built out the company I saw that trucking was really underserved and that a lot of small trucking companies were still purchasing insurance manually working with brokers with lengthy applications where the brokers then going and entering stuff you know they're filling out driver MVRs they're filling out an application they're sending through DocuSign and there's just a lot that goes into each sale and then when it comes time to to edit the policy where the customer needs changes quickly so they're getting their loads and that their business or their insurance reflects their business they didn't really have a good way to do that so I saw a use case where insuretech was helping small businesses with their insurance, and also saw that trucking was underserved on the insurance side, and thought it'd be a really interesting and fun problem to solve by focusing only on trucking and and trying to bring that experience up to where other parts of insuretech have already landed.
1: Very very interesting. So you guys just recently partnered with uh, Flexport. Can you tell us all about that?
6: Yeah. So we're still it we're, we've partnered with Flexport. Uh, in the sense that there's opportunity for us to push policies via API to their system, it's not quite official what that actually looks like. We're still we're still hammering out the details, uh, but we're really excited to explore the potential. So there's no official launch or uh, date when when there's there's a plan underway, but we're still working on it together.
2: Okay. Well, uh, who else are you, are you working with? Are you lining up any, any other partners that you care to disclose?
6: Sure. We work with, uh, we're working with like TBS, the factoring company. We have a, a really slick FinTech style payments flow that can apply part of the factoring to the trucking down payment. So especially for new ventures, we can reduce the cash, the startup cost for new ventures, uh, with a slick insurance plus factoring experience. um, we're also working with Loves, uh, so we're we're trying to help them provide a better experience to their customers. That's also early, and we're still continuing to figure out what that looks like. So we we have a few partnerships like that, uh, but that's probably an, the easiest way to explain
1: that. So it sounds like you guys have got a, you're working with a vast array of different types of of of, uh, uh, of partners and customers. Are are you looking into the autonomous at all? Will you get into the autonomous insurance gambit? I think right now and. It's it's interesting
6: being at uh, so right now we have 450 active customers or trucks on our platform, and we're working with existing insurance carriers on improving products in that sense. Uh, Autonomous, wise, there's not uh, there's not enough actual like actual customers out there using it yet. So I think at this point we're going to explore it, but it's unclear what that
1: will look like.
2: All right. Well, hey, send him to the wheel of stupid questions. He's a oh, first timer. Hey, you got to send him that one. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Let's see what we land on. Okay, what do you got go. for him?
1: Here we go. The new Matrix is coming out. Don't know if you saw the trailer or not, but which pill are you going to take? The red one for the truth, or the blue and stay blind to the in the machine? Let's go with the truth. The truth. Ooh, okay. All right. Why? What? Yeah.
6: I think like as a founder, I like to be accurate, and I like to really listen to what's going on in the market and time the solution with the customer demand.
2: Okay. okay. So from the right. side, it makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fine. All right. So lucky <laughs> drug, enjoy your baseball game. The, the dude and I are going to debate this amongst ourselves. Now, okay. Thank you very much for joining us. So we appreciate your time. So Michael Vincent, yes, sir. I, my opinion on this one is like, if this was something like you're talking about two versions of like a real reality, yeah. like us as human beings, know. agreed. Right. I would, want to know like the truth right but yeah. if it's like the matrix the way the matrix presents this thing i would be so upset with morpheus for like ruining my hibernation sleep with this really nice life where i've probably established a family and relationships and emotions it doesn't matter if who cares if they're digital or not like doesn't you that, don't doesn't know the difference i don't know
1: is this real or not it goes back to the old philosophy and i'm with you neo should have taken the other pill
2: yeah, now I'm stuck eating grimy oatmeal with uh with a yeah. bunch of weirdos wearing, wearing you know, sweaty, dirty uh, t- t-shirts, yeah, dirty and and tank tops, and, and,
1: and you know there's always gonna be like a scumbag
2: and... on board one of those pirate ships. I,
1: I, you know what? You know the they got the smartest guy there was the yeah. the dude who was making a deal with the machines. Hey, put me back in here, make me a badass in the real world, in the fake world again, and I'll give up the uh, the uh, whatever the name of their oh, shit you're
2: is. right, blue pill the hell out of me. That's All what right. I want. All right, let's get a little good news, bad news.
1: All right, let's do it. Let's
2: get a little good news, bad news. <laughs>
6: The bad
2: news and good news. All right, Michael Vincent. Yes, I sir. I've been on the lookout for some good news and bad news, and I think I found some this week. <laughs> good news, <laughs> on the C- CMA. CMA. Let's make them walk the plank. CMA CGM is rate capping spot rates effective immediately through February 1st, 2022. Also happens to be the stat of Chinese New Year.
1: How magnanimous
2: of them! It could potentially influence their alliance and other carriers, and in fact, hat Lloyd has followed suit. They said, you know what? That's the right thing to do. We'll do it, too. Yeah. Here's the bad news, though. Here's the bad news, though. Good PR, right? Good messaging. Yeah, sure is. But here's the bad news. No real info on if they'll cap surcharges, right? Yeah, right. It would seem at this point that most of the spot slots were probably filled up anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the day this cap ends, start a Chinese
1: New Year. So it's a thing, but it's not a huge thing, right? I don't think it's a good marketing ploy. It I mean, is. We don't need any more money, and and all of our uh, containers are full of cash. So what can else can we yeah. do with it? Well, how about this?
2: How how about this? Are, do, do you do you think that they're calling the peak now? That are calling they're calling the ceiling.
1: I, you, I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. they might be. I mean, because why not make more money if you can? For your investor, but maybe it is so. the move. I mean, they don't. It's not like they need more market share right at this particular moment. They don't have any containers to to take it on.
2: And here's the And here's the thing: we like ask a good sales guy whenever they tell you, like, don't just look at the rate. It's the bottom line because a lot of things you get hit with are surcharges, tutorials. Yeah. and they even have. There's even some tricks that carriers have used. And I'm not saying CMAC gems here. I'm just saying carriers have done these kind of tricks before, where you can pay for that gold and that platinum service to get better slotting. Oh, yeah, slot and yeah you're basically, absolutely. Yeah, they're not raising the rate, but you're buying a different rate, and that rate means you actually get on the boat Expedited so same services. thing but you know, little george
1: orwellian yeah, yeah yeah you can buy a portion of a slot or an actual <laughs> slot <laughs> what else you got going <laughs> on? i got one here this one and this one depends. Disp- this one depends on where you stand okay yeah. and you'll get it when i talk about this so it's good news i think and many others do that the biden administration is instituted a vax a, a vax or testing mandate on companies uh with 100 employees or less right I think this is the right move. Everybody should be vaccinated. We got to get ourselves safe. So that's my opinion. That's where I stand on the good news there. On the bad news, though, is a lot of drivers are anti vaxxers, and I understand some of those stuff, and they're yeah. anti mandate. I'm anti mandate myself. I wish we just do this and not have to have a law or mandate, right? Yeah. But uh, so the uh, bad news for the big boys, keeping yeah. the guys there. Good news for the smaller guys, because they can gain these guys. They don't have to. Drivers don't have to worry about this mandate. The yeah. anti vaxxers don't. Which one is it? Is it good or is it bad? Uh, and how's this going to affect capacity, right? How, uh, we're already at peak season and it's tough. How's this going to disrupt things for everybody else?
2: Well, there's, I mean, there's a few school of thoughts here. I mean, you, you can take the very sort of like almost apocalyptic stance where sure. there, there's going to be huge rebellion, right? There's going to be a rebellion in the streets. None of the drivers are going to want to do this. All the drivers are going to drop off. Um, maybe. But, you know, the the real world stake that's going on right now is that I think with with a lot of drivers, right, if you don't. If you don't see the fear of COVID, right, you don't, yeah. you, don't see it, um, you don't see it as a direct threat, then there's no urgency to, to get a vaccine or to, to worry about any of this stuff. Now that there may be some teeth in terms of a very real immediate threat, at least in, in their perception, would be losing a job. So you need to have it done. Now, the good thing about this is that you can still, right? You can still get tested. So you don't, you're not forced to get the vaccine. You can get tested. The challenge for these bigger carriers is going to figure out a, and for remote workers too. I mean, this is just, this is anybody at jobs. I mean, look around America. It's not that like, I mean, maybe there's slightly more truckers who tend to be vax averse or who who lean that way, but like, I, don't I see know. the arguments all the time online of people. I mean, look oh, at the sure. vaccination I don't know rates. That it's, I
1: don't know that it's necessarily skewed towards drivers that are more anti-vax than anybody else. But yeah. we, I mean, that's who we listen to, so I I we mean, know I there's a, a number out there. Right?
2: I mean, I took a poll. It was about like sixty forty on what drivers. Okay. Some said they would leave, go to hundred carriers, but that's still. But look, look in a very stressed market, like you said, if you take five percent, ten percent away, that's gonna that could have dramatic. That's a lot. Effects. That's a big
1: percent right now.
2: Yeah, that's a big, big,
1: big percent.
2: Well, and like you know, Express Courier said he's got seven hundred fifty drivers to worry about, but. Sure. Look, what are we going to do? It's the mandate. When it comes in, we're not going to fight the mandate. We're going to have to fall in line with with whatever it is and figure out the best process to do it.
1: Yeah, he's also taking a very sensible approach because he's saying we really don't know all this stuff. Like define define, uh, 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 testing. We don't know what that is yet.
2: Well, I mean, I would say for drivers and for remote workers, you're gonna have to have those. Uh, you would have to have allow like take home tests. I would. You're think. putting a lot of trust though in that point sure. in uh, in making sure that people are administering these tests themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they're remote, they're not seeing that many people. I mean, I mean, fine. I think a lot of this has to do with our healthcare. Being tethered to our jobs too. That's why a mandate is coming through our employers. That's a whole different topic for.
1: And an interesting point. Day. It's a very interesting point that you brought brought up there. Is how we've kind of screwed that up by tying it to jobs. Right? I, I,
2: there's always time to change. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Right? But what do you I'm think? I mean, do you, so. Just make a prediction here.
2: Do you think that we see, I mean, I think we see some attrition. I think
1: think we see some attrition. I don't think we see, because nobody's going to need your, and react today, hopefully, because we don't know what all this stuff is. It's more of a guidance type of thing than a mandate. We don't know exactly what's going on and it's already being challenged. So let's, let's all calm, take a deep breath and hopefully people get vaccinated and we don't have this huge disruption. The other thing is this, how many trucking companies are actually 100 or more employees?
2: A lot are small, right? I would think that that, it's not a huge percentage. here's the thing. A lot of times when regulations come out, they benefit the big guys. They almost yeah. always benefit the big guys because that's what, you know, tends to get lobbied for. Right. That's it, but now we're kind of in a unique situation where now the smaller carrier has an advantage. And Craig Fuller was talking Seems about this. Uh, last night he was tweeting about it. And he was talking about, He was comparing to like Amazon advertisers. They make it part of their marketing that they don't test for cannabis. So yeah. he's saying how smaller carriers, those you know, the 100 or less Maybe start marketing that way. Maybe it opens the door for some of you out there who want to start to become an owner operator. who have been waiting for the right push. Maybe this is the right push. Personally, I hope y'all get vaccinated. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a. am not am not a preacher. I don't.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So, make your own but means, so you would think that OIDA may be a fan of this a little bit, right? Maybe.
2: Yeah. Maybe we'll see how it Makes falls sense. out. Still, lots of, as as, yeah. as we were told by Terry. I mean, still a long way to go in this one. Exemptions may come down. Um, but you know, we see the comments online too. Not everybody's happy. Not everybody's happy. No. Um. All right, Dave, here's some bad news. Deja Sue, another ship got stuck <laughs> in the Suez Canal. The Panama-flagged Coral Crystal ran aground Thursday morning. I woke up to this one. It was giving everyone, you know, a pit in their stomach, and they're like, how oh, could this no. happen again? Yeah. How does it happen? What's yes. going on? Like, I remember reading an article that was like, uh, should the Panama Canal be worried? And I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, that's a little clickbaity, right? One yeah, ship yeah, gets stuck, clickbait. now everyone's getting stuck. Well... Then this guy goes, and makes me look like a fool. But here's the good <laughs> news. Here's the good news. Minimal disruption. It didn't take long to dislodge and refloat and send it on his way. The admiral over there, Osama Rabe, he's the head of the Suez Canal. He described the incident as a very brief grounding, which was resolved in a professional manner. A Although I can imagine that control room when that first got stuck might have been a little. Yeah, weird. they're like,
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think it's a concern that it was a Panamanian flagged ship? You think the Panam- Panama Canal Yeah, they are, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. What do you get? That way. All right, so let's talk about this. You got a Roomba and a dog. Bad news. And this is yeah, the bad news is you've got a Roomba and a dog and your dog pooped, and your Roomba has attempted to clean it. Okay. Now it's gonna start spreading it all over your house, ruining those nice rugs that you got there. Yeah, and I have a Roomba. this has happened
2: to me. Not with a yeah. uh, poo, but with a cat Cat, like a cat, cat puke, like cat hairball. So it okay, like yeah. goes around and it goes around like, you know, it has like this sort of like blind functionality where it just bumps into stuff and yeah. kind of like maps things out. Yeah. But yeah, if it runs foul of, um, like if it hits a carpet, it'll stop itself and it'll be like, doo, doo, you know, put me like, yeah, right. me. if it runs over like poop or puke, it, it doesn't yet.
1: It just goes right over it. It just
2: goes right over it. And in, even if it, it does know, hit it and stop, it's got an it. Like, your house looks like a Jackson Pollock of, like, feces <laughs> and vomit. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But, it is,
1: hey, there's good news. Yes. There's a fix. So, according to ours, Technic or iRobot is about to fix this problem, right? Okay. And they're going to put on the edge. They've got sensors on the edge of the Roomba J7 Plus robot vacuum. has genius 3.0 obstacle detection. And wow. it has a front camera and ar powered machine that looks out for poop. Okay, wow. And it will go away. And it here's even better. Yeah. It is backed by what they call pet owner official Promise. That kind of stands for poop, doesn't it? It is poop. All right. Well, <laughs> That's exactly the P-O-O-P. promise. I, I like they got a sense of They're We're, gonna right replace your iRomba. They're gonna replace it if it if it spreads poop everywhere.
2: I replaced my own. Uh, so I had my first Roomba for like eight years, and um, I, I got another one after it's eight years. It kind of kind of wore yeah. down, and I, I highly recommend it, especially. If you
1: have I I think there's a business opportunity for wooden us here.
2: floors. Okay. Bad news. <laughs> According to CDL Life and her post on Facebook on Wednesday, September eighth, Facebooker Allison Sanford Turner saw this happen. Let's take a look. So this truck, it's going down the highway right here. Doesn't look like anything's, anything's up. And all of a sudden, as he goes into this turn, he loses those rear wheels. They pull up on his 18-wheeler. Flop! Boom! Down on the side. He could have gone over the side of that overpass. Fortunately, he did not the back open. She wrote... On here, because she put online everyone, everyone in the peanut gallery on Facebook had to make some sort of comment. Of course they do. Sure. I don't care if it was his fault or not. It's a sad situation for him, and I'm just thankful he was okay. Mm, then yeah. that that I was able to assist him. We all make mistakes, so there's no need to be mean. This man needs your prayers, not your opinion. So this just happened right in front of me, and I managed to get on video. I was behind him on 280-31 and noticed this load was shifting, so I took a couple picks just because it was so obvious. When I realized he was going over the turnpike towards 5920, I started the video Because I had this gut feeling that he was going to flop over on his side. She saw it fall over. She got on video. She pulled up next to him. He was safe. She called the police. Everyone ended up okay. So good news in the end. Hey, thank you for joining us on this episode of What the Truck. It's been a good time. Hit the music. Thank you for joining us on this. Hit the music. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What the Truck. We kicked the Gremlins out of the system, and we kicked the Cowboys out of the Buccaneers Stadium. Monday we got <laughs> C.H. Robinson's Mac Bankerton. We got the ride share guy, Harry Campbell. Anthony Eber, he's the head of driver recruitment at DHL Supply Chain. Christian Lang, CEO, co-founder, chairman of Trade Shift. Have a great weekend. Never forget 9-11. Nope. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey,
1: peace and love. Spread it everywhere this week.